They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy slash one on one podcast slash uh, Paranoid American uh, <laughs> radio hour. <laughs> uh, actually, you are the co host of a podcast. Thomas, tell us about your podcast because I, I, I don't think I've had you on my show since you, you've started this. Uh, I mean, it was it just started as a book review club that me and Juan were throwing an idea around. But yeah, it's it's the occult uh, it's occultbookclub.com, and uh, it'll just bring you to a YouTube playlist. But we've just been going through pretty much open source texts that have been you know released in 1800s and early 1900s. And uh, if you want one in particular, my, one of my favorites is the Paul Benjamin Blood series, which <laughs> is a guy that got uh, really stoned basically on nitrous when he got his tooth removed uh, in the in the late 1800s and he's he claimed that as he was coming down off nitrous for the first time in his life he was under he was able to understand all of hegel uh, <laughs> writing like hegelian philosophy he just understood it because of this nitrous effect and for the literally the next 30 years of his life and he was like 30 years old this time for the next 30 years of his life he dedicated to just getting high off nitrous and trying to decipher like all the philosophy he could get his hands on and oh. trying to sort of like put it in layman's terms. He didn't do a great job at that part, but no. uh, it was a valiant effort. Interesting. Well, we're already off to the races here. I hope we could get back to that and maybe talk about some of the interesting books you guys have covered in 2022. It's been an interesting year. Uh, Juan and I started a podcast that is now defunct called the Illuminati Confirmed Podcast. Uh, one, for those deaf, uh, mute, and blind who have not seen you somehow on my podcast yet, uh, can you please introduce yourself and your show? 
Juan from the Juan Juan podcast. I cover anything I deem interesting, mostly the occult, magic, alchemy, etc. And yeah, I do have a show with Paranoid American here and that particular episode hurt my my sack reading that actually because a lot of these texts are old, right? It's over 100 years old. So the language that they use, it just hurt my brain reading it. But can you imagine going to the dentist and having this epiphany of a moment when you're peaking on nitrous that you're able to understand all the most complex philosophical ideas that have ever existed at that one peak and then it all goes away and then you chase that same high for the rest of your life. So this dude came out with that book when he first was like 30 years old and then he's like 70 or something writing at the end of his life another book about what he chased all those years and there's like people writing into him and all this stuff. So yeah, that that particular episode really hurt my my brain. But yeah, my again I talk about anything I deem interesting and and yeah. Hurt your brain and your sack. I've never heard mm-hmm. someone can <laughs> conflate those two. As above, you... so below. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, people who are familiar with this podcast should know the both of you. Actually, uh, Thomas appeared on my show far before you ever did one. Thomas was on episode forty-four. Of Thomas is a psyop. You, you broke my cherry. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like a, a sort of radio style interview. I called you up on my phone and I had some other co-hosts with me. And uh, yeah, so it's it's cool to be here. Uh, 2022, I know you're going to be putting this on uh, your feed as well, Juan. So shout out to all the listeners over there. But this is 2022 wrapped. I, I had Donut on. We did a little bit of uh, wrap up, but I wanted to have you both on to talk about not only some of the guests we've interviewed and some of the books that we've looked into, but uh, maybe even what's to come next. I, I got a new know. book. You want to see it? Yeah, sure. That's what's to come next right now. I meant more uh, 2023. I'm not one for predictions, but uh, that is the atmosphere that we're in. People love to make predictions. Ooh, Stairway to Heaven by Peter Lavenda, Chinese alchemist, Jewish Kabbalist, and the art of spiritual transformation i am a sucker for lavenda yeah i recently got three lavenda books i got the first two of his sinister forces series and then i got um this book that's right over here the secret temple Mm -hmm. mason's mysteries and the founding of america so getting ready to dig into those very soon but you know peter lavenda is important for me because he was the guy who I first heard mention John Winthrop the Younger. It was during his interview, one of his interviews on the Higher Side Chats, and he said, oh, yeah, a lot of people don't know. Uh, one of the governors of Connecticut was an alchemist, and he <laughs> wasn't very clear about that. And being from Connecticut, I heard that, and I was like, whoa, what? So I immediately went to Wikipedia. I looked up the governors of Connecticut, and I looked up the governors of the state of Connecticut, not the colony of Connecticut. So I wasn't able to find initially who he was talking about it was only a couple years later uh at the beginning of 2022 when i put the pieces together and i was like oh this is john winthrop the younger who he was talking about the first colonial governor of connecticut so he was uh, interesting older than you know the state of connecticut but yeah he was an alchemist kicking around in the same area that i currently live and that was a big shock because you know to what extent was he an alchemist 
Well, he was a member of the Royal Society. He was somewhat of an inventor, but more of a, on the philosophical side of alchemy rather than like the experimentation mm. side of things. But he was obsessed with uh, finding silver in Connecticut. That's That was one of his obsessions while he was over here. And he was trying to do some kind of work with the silver. But a lot of the alchemists around him were concerned with like medical alchemy and how these minerals could be used for health, mm. you know, by then they were beyond the occult and philosophical alchemy and more towards like the Paracelsian practical applications of it, you know, or at least attempting to find practical ap applications of it. One thing I found out recently, and Thomas might be familiar with it because obviously I do cover a lot of Florida history, is the Korshanity, the Korshans over here in forgot what part of Florida it is. It was a cult. And the guy was electrocuted. He had a vision, this divine feminine figure that came to him. He was convinced he was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ and the new Messiah. But he, the reason that he was doing these experiments was because he was an alchemist. And I recently came across one of the books that he read because uh, that he wrote because they were talking about concave earth like th that was their whole thing that the sun and the stars and everything is encapsulated in a ball in the center and the earth is like a clamshell we're actually on the inside of it don't laugh thomas i know you're, you're about to laugh bro but point being this dude was an alchemist and they were trying to birth a homunculus dude so in florida they were trying to birth this homunculus and i have one of his books that he wrote he wrote two books and this dude was beaten to death, bro. So this dude was beaten to death. And then he was put in a bathtub at the at the compound. And they were like, all right, we're going to wait this out because he's going to come back. He's going to be resurrected. And the dude started to like decompose. And the, the authorities had to step in. They're like, all right, we got we to gotta get this guy out this bathtub. Because he started to stink up the place. But yeah, really interesting. No, no, just one more day. I swear the homunculus <laughs> is coming. Just one more day, guys. Yeah, bro. So, so wild. It's so weird. Also, I'm starting to notice a pattern that most sentences one uh, finishes <laughs> with the word homunculus or his paragraphs, you know, and right. you start getting him wound up and he's going to conclude with homunculus somehow. I uh, love the, the different uh, shapes of the earth. It reminds me of like the early 2000s.com bubble where like everyone was trying to buy every name. Like you could just go through the dictionary and people were just buying, you know, like word.com going through every Latin word. I kind of feel there was a, a certain point in time when everyone was like, no, nah, it's a clamshell earth. No, nah, it's pear shape. No, nah, it's peach oh, shape. No, nah, it's concave. And no, like everyone just wanted shape. to be the first one to claim like a certain shape. Yeah. So I could be like, I was the first one that said it was a cube. You know, I, I got yeah. it first. It's a turtle shell. No, it's a teacup. No. Yeah, I hear you. Well, on the point of homunculus one, uh, it seems like 2022 was your year of the homunculus. I mean, can you trace back the first uh, thought or idea that led you to getting into this? Like, was it something in 2022 that uh, inspired this, like a news story or a book you found, a, a guest you had on your show? How, how did this start? It was actually for an episode of the Occult Book Club where we were covering... Manly P. Hall, the all-seeing eye. And coincidentally enough, even daddy Manly P. Hall wrote about homunculi. 
and he wrote about a famous account that's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the Guinness biggest book. Is that is that a competing book made by genies? The Guinness Gu- Book. I, I Listen, the English Guinness. is not my first language. All right, so I'll read comments of people saying how I pronounce certain things. Uh, my oh, first no, language is was Spanish, you're so if you're, than most. I feel targeted. I am a minority, and you are targeting me. So, no, yeah, you're good. You're the, good compared to others. I've, how do I've how heard. do you say Guinness? Guinness, Guinness. Like the beer. Guinness, like, like the beer. It's literally oh. the beer. Guinness, yeah. whatever. Who it's cares? The same, it's the same beer same company. company. Yeah. Anyways, Guinness <laughs> has a world record for the biggest homunculus in their in their record. Whoa, 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 whoa. I feel like big homunculus is a little bit of a oxymoron. <laughs> like at a certain point, it's like, yo, baby, like lady, you just had a regular kid. You're not allowed to call that thing homunculus. Again, look it up. So I was, we were doing research on that and I came across one of his, sto- the story of this famous count and how he made one. And I think, uh, I think he was working with, I want to say Thomas Aquino. I'm not sure if it was Thomas Aquino or who it was, but anyways, they were working together. This is 18th century, 17th century, one of those. And I came across what that Thomas Aquinas, a queen, Aquinas. It's a Q U from the Bible. No, 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 no. This is a, this was an alchemist theologian guy. There's somebody else. Thomas of Aquinas was a figure from the Bible. I could be wrong, but there's a whole group of people that follow his teachings. So he was a philosopher, Italian Dominican Ferrar and priest who was an influential philosopher, theologian. Yeah. So this is a, I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking about somebody else. Uh, I don't know about the guy in the Bible, but I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. So I came across that and then I came across the book of the cow, which that was a whole rabbit hole. So we ended up doing a piece on that. And that was when the whole idea was born and then Paranormal American had some books on Paracelsus and that whole thing. And I kind of don't like being known as the homunculus guy, but I guess, right, you, whatever sticks. Someone's you... got to do it, man. It, you know what? I feel like the three of us uh, in in our own different ways, but sometimes it feels like like dirty jobs of the conspiracy theory world. You know, like Mike Rowe goes in and he does... Uh, gets like the first hand experience and the research to show you how like the full job works, but you just get to see the end product, like the nice consumable mm. prepackaged corn chips. You know what I mean? Um, but like we kind of do that dirty jobs part where we go and we slog through 800 pages of like really rough, like, you know, no salt, no seasoning sort of like ancient oh, texts. Yeah. And then just kind of try to come up with some interesting tidbits and hopefully not just kind of regurgitating them. Yeah, I'm still recording. Uh, oh, we're, we're running the show now? Yeah, I guess so. So welcome to another episode <laughs> of the One One Podcast. Mark has left the building, but here we are to give you a spicy episode. So we've had we've had artists drop us <laughs> from the stuff that they started looking into the stuff that we're looking into. And they're just like, you know Multiple what? Times, yeah. Our values do not align. Our core values don't align. So let's go ahead and just drop it and... It is what it is, but yeah, dude, I feel you on that. It, but it's like to touch on what Mark was saying about these guys that say that we're just conspiratainment, we're not really doing anything. But at the end of the day, what can you really do if there is a lizard cabal running things? What are you supposed to do? Is there anything that you can't even do? If well, I mean, it, one of the things that, that's really kind of hit me on top of the head this year and i'm about to turn 40 next year so and this year 
most of the research I've been doing has been trying to go back to like 1400s, 1500s, 16, and just find like all these things that we kind of assume are connections. I'm trying to actually find the exact connections. Were these people um, actually in the same places? Did they actually have influence on each other? Mm. Any kind of documented versions of this? Or is there any written correspondence? Um, and then one of the things that's kind of really hit me is that the difference between say like when your grandparents were born right grand like my grandpa i think was born in 1920 or something I and mean, he died recently um but i mean like from from right now 2020 back to 1920 100 years i mean just take that chunk from me and my grandpa right so when my grandpa was talking to his grandpa that dude was born in the 1820s and then when he was talking to his grandpa 1720s and when we start getting into the 1720s like we're talking about what we consider almost ancient history and alchemy and, you know, sort of like Templar um, lore is still kind of active. So it's just kind of, you know, but the founding of America, the founding of the Bavarian Illuminati. So. <laughs> oh man, I dropped out there. You guys can hear me, right? I'm back. Yeah. Okay, you're good. All right. I don't sound too bad, right? I'm on my phone now. What are they they're trying to take you out? Yeah, I think my internet uh, bill isn't paid, so they're trying to take me out. Either that or <laughs> the connection is down. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm going to take blame, but uh, who knows? Maybe it's the CIA. But you were saying something about you feel like the three of us are all kind of covering uh, homunculus in a, in a different way. Is that what you were going to say, Thomas? I missed I miss uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right when you cut off, I was just saying that the, the material that we're kind of slogging through uh, we're trying to point out things that other people haven't caught yet, uh, not just kind of regurgitating the same analysis, mm -hmm. you know, like actually go right. to that little footnote and see where it says, oh, this was referenced in this text from 1438 and it's only in Latin and then pulling that book up and then actually doing some kind of AI translation and reading it for yourself and retranslating it because sometimes this like little clip or this little quote will just make itself and just echo and echo and echo and people keep repeating it. And then if you find what like the next four words were after that quote, all of a sudden it changes the context mm -hmm. or they say something even more interesting right after it. So that to me, that's the the fun part, but also kind of the most interesting because now when it's reading it, it's like, wow, I can't believe no one's ever caught these connections before. And that's, I don't know that yeah. in itself, I think is, is way beyond entertainment. I mean, that's, contributing research to the world that's going to persist well and i agree i'm glad you you see it that way i do too i think you know big part of my foray into uh podcasting was synchromysticism i mean everything that's occurred in my life since i quit my job as a delivery guy has been synchromystic my girlfriend and i uh starting our relationship she sees the world through a similar lens of synchromysticism and you know before i I started dating her. I went on this kind of journey uh, down to Washington, D.C. I dropped someone off at the Dulles airport and and <laughs> came back through D.C., you know, during the height of the pandemic and drove along the, the Susquehanna River, which later uh, I became friends with Michael Wan, the Susquehanna alchemist. And he and I uh, hung out several times. My girlfriend and I have gone and visited him. So it's very synchronistic. And to, to bring it to the homunculus around the same time you started talking about the homunculus and whatnot i interviewed for the first time a guy who's very famous uh, and very controversial in the conspiracy community maybe more controversial than he is famous uh michael hoffman who 
in his book, uh, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, along with James Shelby Downard, poses the theory that the uh, Dumbo uh, cylinder that was located near the Trinity blast site was, in fact, a, a metallic homunculi. So, you know, it's just interesting that, you know, here's this this kind of revolutionary for his time conspiracy theorist, Michael Hoffman, along with the, you know, proto conspiracy uh whack job kind of archetype that is james shelby downard who, who by the way was my original inspiration for even starting doing comic really? books i never would have started comic books if i hadn't i at the exact time i was reading um uh, james shelby downard's memoir can't remember what a name of it. it's like uh devils of the carnival or like oh no death, I, yeah it's, carnival. it's the it's the uh oh i have it right here it's but i was i was reading that book death. I was reading um, the book about the uh, creature from Jekyll Island, and I was also reading The Invisibles, uh, the comic book series. All three of those at the same time, and I just, yeah, that's the one right there. Th this book, actually, there's a story about Alexander Graham Bell and a guy named Cock Robin, and they get into, like, a fight or something, and, like, <laughs> Cock Robin is, like, this cuck that the Jekyll Island Hunt Club, like, hires this dude to just come and be naked i guess around like you know it's a typical james shelby downard where they don't quite explain all the details it's just like yeah and then i walked into the room and alexander graham bell was naked and fighting this guy named cock robin and you know and the next day cock robin was gone and and it, like he just kind of skips those beats and it's like hold on a second yeah did you just say alexander graham bell was stark naked in jekyll island so first i was i thought it was just like a silly thing so i look it up and sure enough man i the first thing i found was there was a book on nudism from the early uh 20th century in the early 1900s and it cites all the famous nudists of the time and alexander graham bell was one of like the main names it was like hey here's some famous people that are nudists and wow. so it, it just threw me down this rabbit hole of, man, how much of this crazy stuff that sounds ridiculous mm -hmm. is 100% true? Uh, and, you know, and, and it was like, if I put this in a comic, people might actually give it more credit than if I just put it in a book. Because you read it in a book and you're like, that's silly. That can't happen. So now all of a sudden, if it's in a comic book, you pay a little bit more attention. And it's like, hey, this is actually based on a true story, even though I know you won't believe it. Well, and, and it's... um. I'm, I didn't know that. I'm really glad you told me that. It's funny you you have that inspiration there because I think, you know, some people who uh, examine James Shelby Downard, they kind of theorize that maybe he was a fictional creation mm -hmm. by Hoffman and some other people. I, I think Hoffman would disagree with that. He, I asked him flat out i think and he he said no james shelby downer was a real man i'm friend i was friends with him uh, i will say though you know hoffman has several pictures of himself and and people that he's friends with or knew throughout the years on his website none of which are james shelby downard so That's that, i've never heard that theory i actually love that theory yeah because because so, so that means that if even if he let's assume he was real person james shelby downard might have been such a proto conspiracy theorist that he himself ceases to be a physical entity anymore and it just <laughs> converted into an actual conspiracy theory yeah like that would be the ultimate goal of any hardcore conspiracy theorist so to way, exist yeah. outside of space and time like like if we're talking and and juan you just make the ultimate connection on homunculus and then just poof you're just like a homunculus well that's instantly. that's alchemy one of the magnum opus of uh of alchemy is once you do the the magnum opus the great work you literally cease to you cease to exist because the alchemical reaction, the light that you absorb from this 
reaction that's going on, it it it's absorbed into your DNA and it reconstructs your DNA to where you're able to step outside of reality. So by you saying that, it sounds crazy, but maybe not so much because that's literally what they chase in I, alchemy. Man, I, I wish I could remember the the. It might be Peter Lavenda. I don't want to misquote this, but the the quote is something like, "Was the JFK K assassination a particle or a wave?" Uh, and it makes me think. I think it was in a Sinister Forces, but it makes me think like maybe um, finding out who killed JFK is like a portal to you know Ooh, like another universe. So yes. like James Shelby Downard finds out who actually kills JFK, and just like finding the ineffable name of God, mm-hmm. once you see it or speak it out loud, you're just transported out of this reality. That's what this, I mean. This is what this is all about: Stairway to <laughs> well, Heaven. Sure about different different myths of ascension and what you're supposed to do and what these different because we were talking i did an episode on the the north polaris right and this whole thing of why the big dipper and the little dipper and you have it in all these some symbolism and these secret societies well what if it is some sort of gateway but you have to connect certain type of dots how you're saying and i love that dude that the whole jfk thing that's crazy well, you know, I mean, the whole idea of the killing of the king and, and JFK being this Camelot figure, he, Arthurian kind of, he's the first Catholic president. He's got Irish, an Irish sort of lineage in, in his name, Kennedy. I mean, even the word Kennedy uh, goes back to kill Kennedy, which I think is like a, a term in uh, Gaelic that means like head wound or something like that. So there is so much different uh, aspects to it that show that there's some sort of Masonic or alchemical uh, ritual at play. And and I would argue that the Masons would love to think that, that they've created a portal Freemasons. And, and they would love to uh, No, Well, not the Masons, but the, these, you know, they're standing for, for whatever body is hiding behind that cloak. Uh, but you get what I'm saying where they would, they would love the, the notion that we conspiracy theorists think that they've created a, a tetragrammaton stand in you know in the modern world i think we're giving them too much credit um but all, i think that's because conspiracy theory is a part of the symptom of this ritual like it's it's a symptom of this ritual and i wonder what you guys think about you know michael hoffman's thoughts on conspiracy theorists kind of just being these like conspiratainment puppets who are just no different than the pundits who talk about the mainstream talking points like we're furthering that same agenda maybe not us we the three of us here but you know the average conspiracy theorist who maybe isn't doing the original source research that the three of us like to do um you know they're kind of they're kind of playing into that agenda. Do you I, think? I think so? it's a little gatekeepery. It's a little bit. It's a little bit fart. Like you know, like enjoying the smell of your own farts, but nobody else's. There's a little bit of an air to entitlement it just because because yeah. I I really firmly believe that today's conspiracy theories are the best equivalent that we've got to you know old school mythology. Because right now we all kind of feel like we're way too smart to believe that there's an actual Zeus that's throwing lightning bolts down on the ground. And, you know, a lot lot of people kind of look back at that older pagan and early monotheistic, like literal sense uh, outside, you know, some some groups that they believe, you know, full out. But I think that like now a lot of people feel more secular and more scientific. Mm -hmm. So uh, conspiracy theories, though, kind of takes a little bit of that load off, like this is where you get to sort of 
fantasize and kind of imagine different things that are happening and putting pieces together kind of the same way that like those original peoples were trying to explain nature. But now we feel like we've got nature figured out. So and mythology kind of inherently denotes explaining nature, right? But once you've defined nature in so many terms, what do you move on to? So again, conspiracy theories fills that role because now it talks about how does culture evolve? How does psychology, philosophy, politics? Mm -hmm. And if you, if you assume anything other than what you were taught in school or what you can just find off the bookshelf, then you're technically a conspiracy theorist. If you, if you know, your mom and your dad planning your surprise party is a conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> but also if two people meet in the room and they're like, I think you should be president. We're going to make you president. And that happens. That's also a conspiracy. Mm. And to pretend that none of that actually happens uh, is just a little bit crazy. So, right. I mean, I think even if there is, let's, let's take his criticism at face value and just talk about like a TikTok video. That's just calling everyone in the Illuminati with like funny sound effects that's still perpetuating the same kind of mythology of conspiracy theory that maybe is in 200, 300 years, the same way we might look into the origin of like a God's name and the origin of like your state's name. Yeah, like, oh, wow. It was named after these Indians. Oh, wow. Actually the Indians built on top of this mound. And then you find out about the mound builders. Like there might be people hundreds of years that hear that silly, Oh, Jay-Z's in the Illuminati, but that's going to be their gateway into figuring out that there was an actual Bavarian Illuminati in 1776. <laughs> so I, I love the idea that like, the the concepts and the names are perpetuating i don't like that it's dressed in you know tiktoky sort of yeah. surface level stuff but it feels it just feels too gatekeeping well, to like criticize hoffman, it too much hoffman calls that the theater uh or the spectacle of carnage or the theater of uh of uh what is the other word he uses very you know well well po poignant and well said when he puts it the way he I mean, does. not everyone can be stoic, right? <laughs> yeah. But also, you have to take into account, because I really like the way that you're tackling it, Thomas. And I sent Thomas the his one of his latest episodes, so he knows exactly what we're talking about when it Oh, yeah, yeah. When well, it by comes the way, I'm, I'm partly responsible for Hoffman starting the podcast, I should say that, <laughs> on the air. He, uh, he conferred with me on how podcasts were created. I basically taught him how to do the podcast thing so i take a little credit for <laughs> unleashing hoffman into the podcast. unleashing a beast yeah and and i think that it's going back to the because this whole thing of oh chasing down original sources and all this stuff well a lot of the original sources for old mythology that all that's been gone for ages and we take that for what it is right we take people's word for it. So, and I, when you dropped out, Mark, I was talking to Thomas about what could we possibly do about some lizard cabal that's running everything at the White House or whatever it is. Like, what could we realistically do? Uh, you know, because these guys act like we have this crazy capability of actually doing something about it because they'll sit there and they'll criticize like, oh, you guys aren't really doing much. You guys are just talking about it. It's like, well, what, what have you done? Right. Other than in your time, you did what you did and you talked about what you talked about in your time. But, you know, things evolve and things change. And what could you really possibly do other than without inciting violence or doing anything out of the ordinary to actually bring forth a change? What are you able to do? And that's what I want to I want an answer to. Like, what are you physically able to do without demeaning anybody or hurting anybody? We're doing it right now. We're talking about it. I think that's how things change is 
reform happens when ideas get spread. And at first, new ideas are suppressed because they go against the grain and then they get integrated. And, you know, it's like what happened to the secret societies in the colleges. They all got like overturned by the 70s woke liberal feminist uh, movements that, you know, said, oh, you have to let women into these groups. Oh, you have to let minorities into these groups, which everybody agrees with. Like, yeah, let women and in, in all different types of uh, people be a part of the these groups. But, you know, when that happened, a lot of those secret societies kind of uh, shifted towards the corporate sphere. But mm. I think when we're talking about these like uh, ideas, there is a level to it where solutions are far afield and people are sort of sucked into this depression and cynicism. And, you know, I, I'll say just from our conversations, Juan, you know, you, you tend to lean towards nihilism. I think that's probably because you have a family and young kids. I mean, it's probably easier for someone like me to be optimistic considering I don't have children and I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, in a relationship that's that's all my commitments are to the the physical world right so uh it may be that but i do think that as human beings as beings with souls we have an imperative to push a change towards the better right i think there's like a soul instinct in human beings to to make a positive change right that can't be that can never be defeated. Like that's the original will, so to speak. And, uh, and whether or not the audience picks up on that, you know, uh, I think we're kind of pushing that forward in our own unique ways by looking into what we're looking into, not to, you know, blow smoke up our asses or something. But I just think like, when when we get confronted with this black pill uh, theorism of like, yeah, well, you know, the lizard people run the world and we're all fucked. It's like, yeah, that's only true if you stop talking about it, because, you know, these paradigms can be shifted. And even maybe uh, those allegories and metaphors of reptilians are just that, like maybe they're just metaphors and and there aren't really reptilians running the world. Or maybe not, you know, maybe maybe there is some reality to it. I think it works in a double-edged way, where like if you truly believe that reptilians are running the world and you succumb to that fear that that might instill in you, well, then you've you've fallen victim to the agenda. Or if you do the converse, where you're like David Icke and you find out all this information about the royals doing all this bloody evil stuff, and you can't, you know, maybe you you can't go out and say it's humans you have to say it's reptilians because that's just fantastical enough for them to not cut your head off and long enough for you to keep talking about it long enough for people to realize oh maybe david's not talking about lizard people he's talking mm. metaphorically about this group that believes in this lizard brain thing and this serpent you know who magic. recently said that on an on an, the 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 interview that I did with Jay. Someone said it to me. I can't take credit for that thought. I forget who I, maybe well, there was... was an entire either channel oh. four or BBC documentary that basically was calling like an anti-Semite for that exact same reason where he's <laughs> saying oh, like, he, Oh, he's yeah, just yeah. putting the L word in here instead of the J word. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think that's, yeah, that's definitely like the, the danger now with the whole Kanye West, I call it M. Ultra, uh, where M. is now, 
convincing everybody that conspiracy theory is ultimately just Jew hatred. And I think that's stupid. And obviously none of us have any problems with Jews. Donut has been on both of our shows. He's Jewish. I had him on to talk about the Kanye thing because I don't want Michael Hoffman's perspective on that, you know, personally. Donut's my favorite Jew, actually. Yeah, like I like Hoffman. (laughs) I want to get his perspective, but I also want to get Donut's perspective because I believe in everybody's equal, even if they don't like each other. I, you know, I want to see why people don't agree with each other. And yeah, maybe Kanye West has read some of Hoffman's more concealed work, but, you know, Hoffman himself isn't exactly uh hater either like he he's after that whole political aspect of uh zionism that's that's wasn't he wasn't kanye quoting this racist comedian that got kicked off rockfin i think for say like having a race benjamin wasn't he quoting owen benjamin like saying like oh they don't understand him or something like that and literally a dude was like wasn't he saying the n-word like hard r N word and well, he- yeah, a lot of comedians in the edgier alternative, like com- com- like the the real comedy world, they they're not afraid to say slurs and and be offensive because that's in their mind part of being a real comedian. No, I think that's just a facade. Well, that's, that's an excuse. What Owen, that's what Owen Benjamin was doing was he's being a comic and saying hey i'm a comic i have freedom of speech i should be able to say something even if it's offensive and that got that got him canceled because that was at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. woke you know takeover of media and uh so yeah maybe kanye heard i got i got a different theory on kanye and i'm surprised that i maybe this has come up but i haven't heard anyone mention this but when alex jones had lost his lawsuit right he made that uh first video where he just went off the rails. He's like, you know what? I did it. You know, I was the killer. I had the guns. I showed up. I killed those kids. You know, put me in jail. I'm the murderer. Did you guys remember any of that stuff? Yeah. He, yeah. So, and it was like obviously over the top. And it was like, you know, pin, pin my arms to the cross and lift me up onto the hill, sort of a like a monologue speech to kind of like put that the whole thing into like this a satirical perspective. He was working through some stuff, right? So when Kanye gets on, he kind of does the exact same thing, but where, you know, where uh, Alex took like a hard right turn, Kanye took a hard left turn and he took it in a completely different angle that even shocked Alex Jones at that point. But it, it felt like that same Andy Kaufman performative aspect to it. Um, But again, you know, I've got no, I don't know any of them personally. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't dig it. uh, I don't negate that at all. I think that's really interesting to point out maybe there's some sort of uh you know symbol or ritual to that you know i definitely can't say i know alex jones's intentions or motivations i've interviewed people that work with him and and they seem to me like you know honest individuals who are concerned with the same things that we are but well, that's you what know. i'm saying it felt like he was just frustrated and working his frustration out through that very facetious kind of interview yeah uh and maybe like yay just sort of like followed in suit a little bit like i'm gonna work through my frustration by just you know saying outright all the things that people are hinting at to as like a therapeutic way mm-hmm. yeah it, it was definitely shocking and uh i don't know the whole face mask thing didn't give him any credibility uh for for sanity you know points right i mean it just that was 
over the top. It was the face mask and not the the Netanyahu <laughs> that did it for you. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. I just saw like other people's takes on it. I yeah. I mean maybe that again, was again like like dirty jobs, man. I felt like it was my dirty job to watch that whole thing and <laughs> and see exactly you know outside yeah. the clips and the context and. At least for that one, I could say if you've just seen the clips, you don't actually need any more context. The the clips are pretty standalone. That's yeah. relieving. Yeah, I, I you know I also I think that's one of the reasons why we enjoy the you know topics like alchemy and and secret societies and whatnot because it it allows us to go into the past where you know you can't really ap- apply contemporary morals to history right we're looking at a bunch of you know people who were probably for the most part racist and uh sexist and and that's because that's that was the particular perception at that time that was dominant right so and know, they were I, literate and they probably had enough money to focus on philosophical pursuits as opposed to like feeding their family and taking well, and care I'm of not, their parents. I'm, and... I'm not saying that to like justify any of those, um, you know, negative outlooks. I'm just saying like when we talk about people in the past, we're not like culpable for their beliefs as much as if we were like to examine Kanye West and, you know, he's contemporary. It's just, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is like, sounds like uh, uh wimpish of me, but I do, I, I do feel like, uh, on the defense with topics like that with having a show like mine i don't want to like lean into something that's so extreme that then i alienate uh, a big part of my audience i just want to have a a, a, a a fair and open balanced conversation and as i say that i'm like isn't that fox news's slogan but uh yeah so i don't know it's interesting to talk about this stuff but it definitely borders on the uh extreme and i don't know it's just i feel like that's the danger that hoffman's kind of pointing at it's like when you become like these conspiracy pundits who like try to find conspiracy in every latest news story you almost like fail to overcome that manipulation that's being done to you know who you think is not like who you think is being fooled by the news, even though you yourself, not us three, but people who do this type of thing, maybe they're not fooled, but a big part of what they're doing is like, yeah, look what they're hiding from us now. It's, it's like this, uh, self conf- you know, confirmation, uh, masturbatory act, you know, where you're just like, you're like getting off on the fact that you know this stuff and everyone else is a sheep, you know? And I think that the meme with the guy in the corner at the party. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that ends up like failing us in the long run. I think as a culture, like conspiracy theory, if we're going to validate it and and redeem it at all, I think we need to, you know, bring some problem, Mark, discrimination to it. Academically speaking. I hundred percent. I'm I'm one of the biggest skeptics too that there is. But the the issue is when when they know that we're watching out for a lot of these occultic themes within these news stories. For example, the latest one, Tate, right? The, the whole thing with him and his arrest, and then the symbolism behind that, and the language that the president of the United States uses on a speech of yeah, we're the new world order is about to come. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but these sort of things where maybe perhaps they want to paint you out to be the schizophrenic person 
But there's some validity when it comes to a lot of these theories because it seems like almost everything is a sort of ritual in some way related to the occult. Like, and that's the that's the problem because it seems like every almost everything is related in some form to a magic. Yeah, but one is know. that is that because everything is inherently occult or is that because it's the the information is being filtered through a lens that is inherently occult i mean the english language we all know has a sort of occult Mm -hmm. foundation to it but then on top of it like the television media internet conglomeration of cables and electric signals and wires and clouds of data like that's all to a certain extent like say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Egregore. Yes. And, and it's full it's of sigils. Mm-hmm. It's full of sigils, right? So if you're participating in that wavelength, you're going to absorb, you're going to become uh, initiated whether you realize it or not, mm-hmm. so to speak. You're, you're a fish in the water, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... And also, like that saying, when you have a hammer, what is it? Everything becomes a nail. Everything becomes a nail, right? Yeah, and that's why I'm like, I say, like, I agree with you, but then I also pose that as a disagreement in the sense that it's like, well, we can not everything can it can be a nail, logically speaking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So, but yeah, a lot of what gets the most attention has a veil of uh, symbolism to it, right? And that's what people spend so much time analyzing uh, in this sort of short attention span uh, sectors of conspiracy theory is not to to put that down as less than because it is interesting and it's definitely worthwhile to maybe pull people into a new perspective, but uh, it can also be a trap. But to to add on to this whole thing, because we're talking about symbolism, we're talking about sigils. For example, I have movie posters in the background right now, and you can decipher those and decode those all you want. But we have literally Paranoid American Comics here, and I've also done a comic book with him. And a lot of the times that we put stuff in these comics, these symbols... They aren't always all the time occultic. We do it just because it's fun. So just because you see that certain uh, symbol there, it doesn't always mean something. But the thing it's not accidental. It's not like you guys are like cubes are fun. Like, you know what a cube means and you're using it in your comic book. Yes, because there's a story behind it. But yeah, all not all the the title. (laughs) Yeah, not all the symbolism in it is pertaining to something exactly i get you i think that happens yeah it's like again it's the medium like thomas just said a fish in in the water we're we're uh in the ether we're in the miasma of mysticism and Mm -hmm. and american culture has been steeped in it from the beginning and the people who created the media and, and control the media are definitely aware of a lot of this stuff so yeah, that's that's why I think we enjoy speaking for myself here, maybe. But I think that's why the three of us enjoy the topics that we get into most often rather than the more uh, pop 
topics that are also talked about. But there's been some very important uh, things that have gone on that I, I guess I haven't talked enough about. I mean, the whole deal with Russia and Ukraine is a huge part of what's going on in 2022. I mean, if you look at the wiki for 2022, every month they list some sort of event involving Russia or the Ukraine, almost like they're creating a timeline here uh, for World War Three. you know, like this uh, uh, over coverage of this event um, to maybe even, uh, who knows, overshadow what's going on after 2020 and 2021 and the whole oh yeah let's just forget forgive and forget about all the unnecessary deaths and all the uh strange mysterious uh medical malpractice uh things that have gone on right i mean trying to skirt around the the certain hot words because i don't know maybe we'll put this on youtube but uh but yeah i don't know it's it seems like ukraine and russia that whole conflict has taken up the the landscape of the media and maybe they're using that to um you know take the attention away from the the mm-hmm. genocide i mean really that that was pushed on elderly and overweight people uh with this uh you know jab and and all the other things that have have resulted from that i mean all these very healthy people too i mean all the soccer players that collapse mysteriously it's a coincidence celebrities that have passed away you know uh, under somewhat mysterious health circumstances i I have to to interject here just just throw out here because anyone that truly believes that there is an international you know new world order planning committee like illuminati or some kind of cabal or whatever (laughs) if you if you truly believe that and you also believe in blood magic and that those people believe in blood magic, then it only makes sense that it was just a massive global blood magic, you know, sympathetic magic sort of operation. Because once you've got like, you know, basically the world's already owned at this point, right? The explorers have explored, everyone's planted their flags everywhere, uh, except for Antarctica, which apparently we're still fighting over. There's an opening there, Thomas. There's There's an an opening opening and it goes in. owns the rest of the outside of the little ring that we're in, yeah. Yeah. But it's like the same concept where everything's been defined and explored and classified and now people are just kind of like working their way into the fine little details. Um, But like, what do you do if you're truly at the top and you've got everything and your family has owned everything for the last century or more? Uh, and you've amassed power and you've amassed influence and connections like what other ultimate sort of conclusion could you ever draw from all this if you really believe in like phoenician magic made its way all the way through you know bc almost like neolithic times all the way to modern times to where pizza gate's real and blood sacrifice is real and all this is real then what else would you need to not look at this entire pandemic as just a massive blood magic operation where mass sacrifice, I mean, the actual word Holocaust was basically just like a sacrifice of a lot of people. Um, And that's kind of what's happened globally. This isn't safe for YouTube anymore, but I'm going to go ahead and say it that I'm not, I'm not denying any events took taking place, but I am on board with you, Thomas. And I've, I haven't said it yet. On well, I'm not a even rec- saying that that's what happened, but I'm saying that 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 would be the logical conclusion if there were some yes. kind of cabal. I'm not 100. percent I like, think I like I like going to the scale, right? So if I'm if we're going zero to 100, I think I'm probably at a 50 right now. I think 
if we're talking alchemically that that event that happened during World War II was some sort of what if this guy, his name starts with an H, what if he was trying to find oh my the God. Philosopher's Stone by giving up? Because what, again, they put it in this media, the whole Full Metal Alchemist anime at the end, it's like, spoiler alert, what does it take to make a Philosopher's Stone? Oh, a bunch of people. So get, I'm not, I'm just saying it's, and apparently 88 is racist. Have you guys, do you guys hear about that? 88? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because it's H H eight eight. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyways, that I think that's what was going on there, and obviously a lot of people lost their lives. It was horrible. It is horrible, and but I think that's what's going on. If you want to also follow the mainstream narrative that he was an occultist. Yeah. Well, you know that's not exactly contemporary to twenty twenty two, but I appreciate the info there, Juan. I didn't know that. Um, but in twenty twenty two we had another uh even worse than last year right last year 2021 there was the uh astral world event where a bunch of people were crushed in in a crowd what they're calling now a crowd crush i don't know if this is a term that's been used before was that this year or 21 i think it was 21 but there was one in October of 2022. And there's like some yeah. medical term. It's called like com- compression asphyxiation. Yeah, I saw or that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah you talk about well, the one overseas, right? In like Vietnam or something. South Korea. In yeah. South Korea, there was one in October. But they use the term in the media, uh, crowd crush, which is interesting because it's CC 33. Uh, I don't know. Thomas, maybe you can uh, fill us in. <laughs> no on comment that. on Thomas. <laughs> I, I only got the 32, so I only okay. know about the CB. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. I can good. tell you about CBD. That's as far as I got. I got the, the CBD radios. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So there's this kind of tragic, not to laugh at the people uh, crushed, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, weird that that happened on Halloween in south korea and then we have this sort of uh halloween-ish astral world performance where other people were killed in a similar fashion uh the year before so and i want to throw i want to throw another little theory out here really quick that instead of i mean blaming the rapper the entertainer um i mean obviously the venue like if you look into it the venue kind of like had bypassed some security procedures they were supposed to put certain barriers that would prevent that kind of phenomenon and i guess they just didn't put those up and they skipped some of that but let's just let's put all that aside and in a machiavellian way like what actually happened like who cares about the intent or like who planned what and how it could have changed let's look at the actual event and the actual end result of it and even if all of that was a pure accident and you assume the most benign origins of it the end result's the same and that end result still has the kind of energy with it and that energy can be harnessed so even if the theories come out or a group comes out and starts saying like oh this happened for this reason just that gaining traction in the sort of global uh you know like mental mind that we all kind of share just like the cultural idea of that being a ritual sacrifice event it almost manifests itself into being this thing that gets perpetuated again kind of like this mythology thing where you know these these theories just take on little extra bits over time and it's almost like this huge kind of snowball effect Mm. and this is just going to be part of it regardless even you know even if it was real or even if it was just a coincidence like it's now part of the lore forever essentially Mm. yeah very interesting 
So another thing that uh, came up in 2022, if we're going to just go through the list here, um, there was a few coups. We had in Burkina Faso, which is an African country, for people who aren't aware, it's on the the western portion of Africa. Um, they had two coups this year by an Islamic faction. There's also uh, some anti-coup movements in Sudan uh, based on probably previous years' uh, political strife. And then also more close to us, in Peru, uh, President Pedro Castillo was arrested after he tried to dissolve Congress in a coup attempt. And uh, the vice president, uh, Dina Buyarte, uh, succeeded him. So a lot of political upheavals this year. I don't know. Maybe there was more. Uh, we have so a, a new leader of the uh, Communist Party in China. Um Xi Jinping. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Xi Jinping was elected to general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, so this is his third term as the paramount leader of China. Uh, what else happened in world affairs? Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan clash. <laughs> you guys are like, all right. We need where? to hear like a beep, 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 yeah. beep. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, of, of clashes this year. Turkey and Israel clashed. Um, so, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of stuff going on in the world. That, oh, yeah. I mean, that one in particular, Turkey and Israel, is like a time as old as, as wow. history itself, right? <laughs> yeah. so. Well, and then also I They're should... on like the longest running season now. They're on like season 3000 or something. Yeah. Well, in the opposite, Japan, which is usually relatively peaceful, uh, their former or their prime minister was assassinated. I think he was a former <laughs> prime minister at the time, but he was assassinated give, while giving a public speech. Did you guys hear about this or look into this at all? Mm-mm. I heard about it. I didn't look into it too much further. Yeah, I'm the very, paranoid American. Very interesting. Yeah, stuff. geopolitics is not my forte because I feel, <laughs> and this is my personal opinion, I feel like we have enough issues here in the States to worry about than yeah. to be sending out aid in the billions of dollars to other countries when we have people who have literally served our country that are treated like dog Nobody. shit when they're here. Nobody's aiding them. I mean, we're 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 manipulating these governments with our CIA, if anything. But uh, you, you said yeah. a, a peaceful, you know, Japanese as typically like a peaceful people. Mark, I just want to mention that recently I was, I've been doing the most fun research over Christmas break, which I wouldn't recommend other people. But the origins of human and child sacrifice, in particular, across all cultures, That's... and I figured I had gotten to the end of my list and I had documented everything. And I was like, you know, I need to start looking into um, like cultures outside of the ones that influence the West directly. And sure enough, the the earliest records of Japanese civilization mention this concept of a human pillar where they would kidnap somebody against their will and bury them under the foundation of a certain building. Or more typically, it started under bridges because uh, like the waters were violent. The waters were known to kill a lot of people and they would knock the bridges over. And at some point, uh, like, I don't know the exact origin. I don't know if anyone does, but someone figured, well, we're going to take a person. They, a lady was crossing the bridge with her baby and they kidnapped this lady and they bury her under this pillar and they rebuild the bridge and it had never fallen again after that. But then there was also like these ghosts that would be associated with it. And apparently in like the older 
concept of feng shui incorporated some of this human pillar concept Mm. Uh, so so anyways it's a throwback but it was one of those things where it was like aha finally it wasn't like it wasn't just the europeans and the mesoamericans and the mesopotamians that were into human sacrifice early on like it's at the root of almost every culture and it threw me for a loop because like you know even the buddhists did the very similar thing where they would kidnap someone against their will but it was seen as a good thing because they were kind of reuniting that person back with you know the center some theories say that maybe the Egyptian, certain Egyptian pharaohs went uh, east and, and became, you know, Buddhists to a certain extent. I mean, you have the Tibetan Book of the Dead and the Egyptian Book of the Dead. I mean, that can't be uh, a coincidence, but I'm sure there are other books of the dead. But Peter Jenks, who wrote a book called The Occult, uh, Occult Thailand, he was on my show this year and uh, talked about the same concept in Thai culture where they would sacrifice a person for a building at the center of the city. And that would be like the town center. And it would, you know, like the, the nature spirits were personified, right? So the river would be a a deity that then this ghost of a human person that they kidnap would be like the stand in now for that river. And they'll be the protector because, because they were ripped away from this, this physical world they kind of remain longer in that spiritual world to protect that and what's crazy is i I found a post in the singapore subreddit from november of this year where someone claimed that their dad was working in construction and that in the rural areas they were still doing this and i forgot the exact name but like it's still happening to this day yeah that's what peter said about thailand that in certain parts of thailand they still do it and you know in the more urban areas they just have more like a ceremonial uh stand in like somebody who's recently passed for whatever reason like so like bohemian grove apparently has Uh, you know like the the stand-in dummy right like the cremation of care is is the wicker man you know it's a it's an effigy and not the real thing and that goes all back to where we kind of started with the secret societies uh, and psychological warfare with Michael Hoffman, who, you know, at the end here has at the final page of text on in his book, uh, the wicker man and how that word is connected to this whole uh, type of uh, Wicca, wicker w- to bend, you know, the word wick, uh, Wicca, wizard they all have that same root meaning uh and you know it's sort of like bending reality they're bending reality and and maybe that has something to do with these sacrifices and and giving people over to the other world to to affect things in this world what's interesting too is uh this this is going out of 2022 but it, it links back in on this exact topic but one of the original reasons that carthage was founded right the carthage from the bible um, is that uh, the Phoenicians essentially wanted a place where they could go and practice these wild, um, you know, sacrifice rituals because in their mind, things had kind of, you know, all gone to hell because they were starting to do too much stand-ins. They were doing too many effigies and they were buying sick babies that were already going to be dead anyways from the poor families and then offering those up. And the Phoenicians were sort of saying like, no, you know, God wants like our prime offerings he wants like the the children of noble class um so they they actually founded it and became this whole entire state religion 
And then over time, you know, the Romans see this, the Israelites see this, and they're like, whoa, you guys are like way too crazy right now. You know, we're, we're doing everything symbolically over here. You guys can't be doing it literally. So it sort of like dissipates, but there might be, you know, if history is cyclical, there might actually be some another ruling class that's like, you know, we're going to go and find our own city. Maybe we'll go and put it on an island and we'll call it Little St. James or something. And we'll just like, we'll keep doing our own Phoenician magic uh, mm. in like in a public way, in a, in a literal way, outside of the view of all these plebs that are, you know, forcing those idiots of Bohemian Grove to just do the stupid effigy stuff. Like that's not even working. And that's why your political power is waning because you've used this substitution and the gods are not favorable towards substitutions. Mm. Well, and this enters, you know, another synchronicity this year that was like one uh, going into all this old world stuff and meeting Dr. Narco and, and this whole connection. I mean, I definitely believe that there are groups of maybe European nobles who came to the so-called new world and and maybe became these like phoenician giants that they saw off the coasts of florida these like pale-skinned uh giants who were cannibals you know like who knows maybe that devolved into into that but we also have the story of prince maddock who you know came to the new world and uh left behind some of his welsh followers and and their descendants and that became this mandean tribe that people saw in the you know wild west days uh, during the westward expansion they saw this mandean tribe and they're like these indians look pretty white to to me and they had all these words that were similar to welsh words and they had this story of prince maddock and you know uh, i talked to a guy named uh rick osman who has a book about that this year he was very interesting to talk to but uh yeah, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are little enclaves of of Phoenicians or whoever else that came to the New World. I mean, we have towns in my state like Canaan and New Canaan where some of the wealthiest people live. And what is Canaan? Canaanites, right? I mean, it's... it's... Well, and, and to add more credit to that, what is, what is Canaan other than Samaria and a bunch of other areas? And right. then what was Samaria other than like an amalgamation of like a hundred different little tribes mm. and those tribes some of them were as small as 30 people and they still have historical record to this day because they had their own gods and they fought so that you know when a city like literally an entire tribe of 50 people take on a group of 30 and they you know kill 20 and enslave the 10 that are remaining now all of a sudden they're you know 70 big or they're 60 big um mm. but i mean if if you kind of zoom out and and apply that to the wild west that you're talking about it would have been, you know, not completely out of the realm that explorers would find a small tribe of 30 people that were literally the only 30 people left of that particular tribe. And yeah. once they kill them, they're gone forever. And if there was no record taken, and unfortunately, a lot of Native Americans didn't have a lot of written record, it was all almost, you know, all vocal and storytelling, mm -hmm. then it just, they just vanished forever, essentially. Yeah, or, or, you know, blended with other bigger groups than you know and they kind of lost the yeah i guess yeah energy can't be created or destroyed and i think that applies the culture in some ways too I mean, yeah. oh, especially 
when you look at like all the pirates and the seafaring culture, I mean, that wasn't exclusive to Florida. That was all along the East coast. You have all these stories of pirates and like a lot of those pirates, you know, they, they get mythologized <laughs> turned to folklore. You know, we remember like the characters like captain kid and, and Blackbeard and all these other, but there were like whole groups of pirates that like were essentially, you know, companies or nations, you know, the, what we would think of as a corporation, now technically it would be what these pirates were doing so yeah i mean who knows what kind of uh power center could have uh, planted itself in that type of uh very uh intangible community right like a a, a nation at sea like that's what Ghislaine maxwell was obsessed with uh, and you have to wonder why you know maybe she didn't come it's up with Phoenician that link. i i I really yeah. feel strongly it's that Phoenician. She was what? Same thing that Jordan Maxwell. You didn't know about. about her Terramar project? No, is that yeah. like some? It sounds like Scientology too, with they with the ships and all this uh, stuff, right? Well, yeah, Scientology did this to avert taxes. They thought mm. they would live on the sea and and have like a, a ocean nation. And L. Ron Hubbard lived a, a lot of his life at sea, but um, no. Ghislaine Maxwell created the Terramar Foundation, which was an idea of creating this like sea colony of people, you know, on ships and yachts, specifically yachts, you know, the wealthiest of the wealthy in this sort of tax haven that had some sort of governmental body that it could use as an authority you know that was her dream or whatever her plan but she had a submarine license too so it's like not that it's it's not really that far-fetched to think that maybe she had already participated in it rather than it just being like some idea that was yet to transpire maybe there is a a group like that that's already functioning that she was just trying to like create an offshoot of or a, a, a mimic in a way right like with this terramar thing and it only came to the public because of her other you know uh things that she was wrapped up in that maybe the these naval hidden you know for, what do they call them uh breakaway civilizations maybe we just don't know about them because they're they're in international waters and they can't break laws. You're making, right? you're blowing my mind right now because that plays into the whole, the cross of Hendai that, that I covered recently were inscribed on there. Folk and LA talked about a place that's indestructible of this, of this coming apocalypse. And also if you have, you have the world war two link in there with operation high jump, where they literally bragged about this impenetrable, fortress that they had uncovered supposedly in the ice or something one of i think it was admiral donuts or something like that the guy's name it was a really weird name and they talked about that the fuhrer was in this in this fortress no not admiral bird there was another guy that bragged about he was like this this famous advisor for the h-man and he bragged about i'll find the quote but he bragged about how they found this impenetrable fortress in the ice and that was the whole thing with what happened to all the after World War II. What happened to a whole a, a large population of them? Did they go to South America? Did they go into Hollow Earth, or did they go into this other realm? How you're talking about because this is something that the elites, this New Atlantis utopia type of thing that the elites are obsessed with, it just makes you think. I mean, it's really when interesting. Say, when you say other realm, 
that I don't know if you think that I'm saying that I'm saying people that live on boats. I mean, I well, I can put two and two. No, I'm talking about other dimensions, bro. Right? In order to in order to join the the Gisling Maxwell Yacht Club, right? You have to you have to at least pay a certain amount and know the right people. So once you're in there, that's the the exoteric. Once you get into the club and you park your little yacht. Ghislaine's at the end of the dock and she's like hey check this out I got my submarine license pop in you pop in the submarine she takes you straight down and then bam it's like you know the Disney uh, cartoon Atlantis yes a portal bro exactly and we know about you're you're not buying yourself into the yacht club you're buying yourself into the connections at the yacht club and the submarine ride into another land yeah these underwater bases or maybe yeah even like the hollow earth or or something more fantastical than Mm -hmm. that if there was someone on the the planet that would know about the entrance to and from it would probably be you know massad connected (laughs) i would assume Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we talk about because you're talking about mark about like the whole hidden history well there's the argument to where was atlantis was atlantis a real place was the garden of eden a real place so you have all these mythological places are they mythology are they or are they something else are they and when i say realm that's why i said realm because i'm thinking interdimensional bro once you go underwater like that that movie with the with the kaijus and the pacific rim where it was like a portal at the bottom <laughs> of the mariana trench and these things are coming through that i'm my mind directly goes to interdimensional and, and, and occult when it comes to these elites because, again, that's what they're about. And I think that's everything else that they're linked to, I think, goes back to that. And the, the Tate situation as of recently is just more evidence that it's still large and in charge. And this is still on people's psyche, this idea of these rings, if you catch my drift. And I want, to throw, I want to throw an analogy out here, too. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Well, I'm just asking one what Tate has to do with the like rings, like groups of circ- like people. You mean like secret groups by that? So the his the allegations against him of the the trafficking of of people. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay. All right, I didn't. I and like a like a Saul Alinsky sort of rules for radicals way, like uh, like accuse those of what you're doing. To throw Ex- the state off of you. Exactly, because these are guys that come off like that. It's like, why are you coming off so? Usually, like the the guys who are super homophobic and they end up being like in the closet gays type of thing. That's what I'm getting. It's like if you bash that <laughs> so much and you it's like. Are you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've, I've met people like that before. Like, the, oh, the Shakespearean <laughs> quote is what it's, uh, the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying, though? Exactly what you said, Thomas, of like, criticize those, but you're actually doing and you're projecting, you know, that's your but, way of and coping. I wanted, to, I wanted to throw an analogy out here, too, because, like, when we talk about, uh, like, Terra Nova, or, if, or even if we were just going to say, like, Atlantis or Illuminati or something, I liken it to Disney, right? So like, here's an example of three different perspectives, the same way that if I said Atlantis to three different people. So if you want to, you have to tell one of your kids, hey, what's Disney, right? Disney World, what is Disney World? And just have them explain it. They're probably not going to start talking about concrete and blueprints and prices and lines and stuff. They're talking about like the feelings and like the stories that go behind it. Like none of it's really going to be real, right? It's all going to be fantasy, but you're going to know the stitch between that. Well, like actually Disney's a corporation that was founded by a guy and it's like on this leased property and they charge you for tickets and they upsell by 300% on the concession. Like, you know, that part. And then if you ask me about Disney, like I know about the back, you know, going and 
to work for there and like sitting in the office and having to deal with the corporate structure. So to like the three of us, Disney means three completely different things, but it's still the one thing. Like we're all still talking about the same thing from wildly different perspectives. Mm. And it's not that your kid is wrong. It's just that your kid is like attached to that, the, like and a the different product of Disney level like of reality what Disney yeah. makes and what, like where they make their money and they spread their influence. That's what your kid knows about. And then, you know, you know, you can see the two different connections between those. And, and I feel like there's an aspect of that to Atlantis where there's someone that's like, ah, fucking Atlantis, you know, I got to clean the garbage out of that place every other Friday. I hate it. It's the worst traffic getting there. You know, I got to go through the Mariana trench and that place is a nightmare at rush hour. So like there's someone out there that knows it so intimately that they're not even enamored by it anymore. And then there's probably someone that knows like, oh, well, Atlantis isn't really this fantastical place made of crystals and you can just teleport from one place to the other and advanced technology, but it is a place and here's where it is. You know, here's the boring version of it. That's kind of your, like you explaining Disney to your kid would be the boring version of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like here's the practical version, but a lot of people never want to leave that childlike wonder phase. Like they always want to believe that Disney is magic and miracles and princesses and they never want to, you know, analyze it to the aspect of like, oh, this is actually a corporation set up to just directly profit at any cost. Mm. Yeah, well, that's that's a stark reality that a lot of us come to realize as the Disney uh, youth nostalgia wears thin and and peels away, and you see that it was a thin. It doesn't happen to everyone, though. It seems like some people stay. Yeah. Like- yeah, enamored by Disney for life. Mm-hmm. It's just they just haven't seen they they're just not willing to look. <laughs> you know, they 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 they've been sufficiently entrained to love what you know what they've been shown. You know, it's not the their Stockholm fault. syndrome. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's not that it's Stockholm syndrome. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> it could be interpreted that way, sure. But you know, uh, kind of come into a close here. Uh, I hinted at maybe giving our audience uh, our our top episode or, or maybe in Thomas's case, uh, considering the Occult Book Club, your favorite book that you've covered uh, this year in 2022. Really anything that you guys would like to, to say to, to put uh, Cherry on top, so to speak. I mean, I think it'd be nice to give a shout out to a few of the top listen to episodes uh from the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast because i always appreciate you know those guests like yourself juan and thomas who uh bring in a lot of people you know people want to hear what you guys have to say so i'm always grateful that you guys have time to share with me here on the show and everybody else who's joined me in 2022 uh we had some really great interviews this year so uh, but yeah, before I ramble on, Juan, Thomas, any uh, final thoughts or or top uh, yeah. three, top one? Yeah, so definitely Occult Book Club number eight, The Books of Enoch, Deciphering Scripture, and what's the last piece? And The Secrets to Ascension. I think that one got really good feedback. That's one of the more latest episodes. And my latest episode Number 125, The Occult Secrets of the North Pole and Santa Claus. I've gotten a ton of messages on that. And that's gotten a ton of, of views on YouTube and downloads. And I just, I feel like every episode, people are like, this is this is the best episode thus far. 
This is the best one. And then I come out with another one next week. Like, no, no, this, this is the one. So I feel like I'm always upping the bar and the ante every single episode. But yeah, if you want to check it out, I think that those, the Acopo Club number eight, I mean, that was mind blowing. There was stuff set on there uh, that was crazy. That's with Esoteric Eddie, Dr. Joseph Lumpkin, and Paranoid American here. And we went hard in the paint on that one. And yeah, number 125. And I think I've read maybe this year. I want to say I've read, I don't know, because I read so much. I don't know if that counts as a book, but like officially read books. I think I read like 10 books or so. And then numerous articles and journals after that and just miscellaneous research. But like actually entire books on their own, probably about 10, I want to say solid, like finished from cover to cover. And the rest was just like miscellaneous information and excerpts from here and there on different articles and journals and and things like that. But yeah, if you want to check those out, those are awesome. And I love all my guests. I don't want to put anybody higher than anybody else, but it's all about a vibe, man. You know, some episodes slap better than others on certain weeks. Just how you're feeling. Mm. <laughs> I don't know mm. how to describe it. Yeah, I got a I got a shout out the uh, book club number five again, which was the uh, the Benjamin Paul Blood, and and right. it was I'm on the anesthetic revelation and the gist of philosophy, which kind of explains that concept. You know, um, that he the anesthetic revelation is I was coming down off of an intense high <laughs> off of nitrous, and the gist of philosophy was like, and for a split second I understood the Hegelian dialectic for the first time. And then it just evaporated and, you know, chasing that high. I just, I couldn't come up with a better analogy of how sometimes this kind of, this world works where you're reading something and you feel that like something clicked for the first time. And it really does feel like it's, you know, it's, it's probably a literal rush of dopamine, but it's, it feels that you're, you're getting a dopamine just from learning information. And I couldn't imagine a better way to like keep getting high over and over again is just keep learning new things and keep putting you know, pieces together in, in different ways. So that was kind of my favorite one. And it's also a book that I don't think anyone would ever even pick up or look twice at uh, if, if there wasn't someone kind of ranting about it and pointing out the cool aspects of it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I had never heard of that before. So I need to check that out. I'll probably start by listening to that episode. Uh, I agree with what you said, Juan, uh, you know, not singling any one guest out. I will say, you know, uh, my biggest episode in 2022 was obviously with David Icke in uh, March, you know, almost 20,000 downloads on that episode alone, which is far above a lot of the other episodes that I've done, which is really cool. But it's also kind of weird because, you know, that means that a bunch of people uh, listen to that episode and, and no other episodes of my show. So, hey, David Icke fans, come back. Uh, but anyways, uh, I've had a bunch of really great episodes and uh maybe it was someday. just an extra twenty thousand fbi agents <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that's is ten thousand bots come uh, back they're like all right we're here <laughs> yeah, yeah okay well not them but uh you know I'll, I'll point out maybe a few episodes that people slept on that didn't get as many listens as as others i i would say a few of our illuminati confirmed episodes uh people should go back and listen to especially our interview with reverend ivan staying i mean for the human humorous aspect alone it was just a funny conversation and even if you're not interested in the whole discordianism stuff that will come up again on the show in the future i plan on talking 
about Discordians and, and getting into their history. They're very weird and actually kind of uh, a part of loosely a part of the podcast uh, community in a way. So, um, yeah, I thought that was kind of very relevant to talk to him. And then uh, my friend Al Forum Borealis met him this year. That was a great episode. I've, I've talked to him a bunch since. Uh, Freddie Silva was another great interview even though it was only an hour long, he was great. So people haven't listened to those. And, and Peter Jenks, who I mentioned uh, earlier, the guy who wrote the book about Thailand, uh, Thailand's occult aspects, bunch of great conversations with Chris Knowles, I think two or three. But yeah, so many people. I mean, every episode has been great. I had Thomas uh, along with Shane Golden on at one point. I still have to have one on to to break down the homunculus uh, in full force, but we'll plan that one for for 2023. And and yeah, shout out to everybody else who you know was on the show. If you happen to be listening to this, I appreciate uh, any guest who mm-hmm. also listens to the show. That's always cool when when people say, "Oh yeah, I love your show." I'm like, "Whoa, really? You're you you go on podcasts that you listen to?" Like I thought <laughs> I I was the only one who did that, uh, but. Yeah, so very cool year for the show. Uh, Thomas, Juan, I look forward to more episodes with you in 2023. Uh, I feel like we should do some sort of uh, alchemical or occult philosophorum. I used to do a show called The Mm -hmm. Elemental Philosophorum where we just talked about more sciencey stuff, but maybe we meet once a month and talk about the occult philosophies that we've been sifting through that month, you know, cause Please, we, we us have uh, unique perspectives on this stuff and uh, it'd be cool to, to make it a regular occurrence. I know the audience would certainly appreciate that. So, all right, dudes, any final words before we close this episode out? Happy new year. And I love you guys. I love you too, Thomas. You don't even know how much bro. You know what? Yeah. No, Furrow, this has been a great year. And 2023, I think, is going to be even crazier. And it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. Let's get canceled. It's going to be huge. No, I don't not get canceled. But I feel like I think things are really going to take. It's starting to to really warm up. Like right now, it's like there's a a storm brewing. And it's really just going to come full force 2023. And hopefully, yeah, I just I appreciate everybody that listens. And my show has experienced uh, substantial growth this year. And I feel like I'm only getting started. So, yeah, thank you guys for for listening. I was going to be on my feet as well. Love you all. And I love you guys, too. And, yeah, we should definitely do that. I like that name, the Occult Philosopher. That sounds really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And I love you both, too. And everyone listening, the love is extended to you all. And, uh yeah, I'm excited. 2023. We didn't really get into any predictions. Juan just gave you his prediction. I'm predicting uh, sunny skies and warm weather as we leave this uh, mini ice age, as Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson calls it. I'm expecting more uh, tropical storms, hurricanes, and uh, warm weather. Bro, why are you sending that shit over here? No, no. <laughs> hey, we get hurricanes in Connecticut too, brother. I, I live through Hurricane Sandy. I mean, I, I know what it's like. Don't worry. I'm not trying to call him on i'm just per- making a prediction that will probably be uh, affirmed because it's a pretty open and general prediction thomas any predictions before we wrap up 
I want to leave it on a positive note, so I'm not going to leave my prediction out there, but I'll say it's oh, it's God. AI related and it's not fun. Well, let's tune into the Occult Book Club to hear maybe Thomas's <laughs> prediction in real time as it unfolds. Everything's going to be great, I'm sure. Everything's going fine. Everything's fine. Mm. Yeah. If you look at I any also, of the charts, we're we're all on the up and up on every metric. Don't even worry about it. I have the same optimism. Uh, we are not blissfully ignorant. We are well aware of what's to come, folks, but we are a part of that uh, 100th monkey effect, right? So let's steer towards the optimistic, uh, like Thomas said. And until next year, folks, immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now, whatever party you happen to find yourself at this uh, New Year's. And uh, uh, we love you. Thanks for tuning into our shows. Peace. credit card bill.